Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The way we talk about sport is boring, and I want to be able to have conversations like this where it's like the locker room. I feel like I can definitely play at a high level for another four to five years because, you know, I'm not like LeBron James that putting a million into my body, but I at least put 300. I don't think he had all the tools and skills he needed to really lead a team. Yo, 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 what's up? We're back. Welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. The name says it all. If you like what you hear, download it and subscribe and make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube. Just visit youtube.com slash all things covered. Pat, what are we going to cover on this episode? Man, we have so much to cover, including the election, our tough loss against the Dolphins. Yep. It's the Masters Week this week. And also, we got a great conversation with our boy, Brandon Marshall. Be Marshall. Yes, sir. Now, first quarter of our show, it's time to chop it up. And usually in our chopping it up segment, we take a trip down memory lane or we fill you guys in on funny stories that we've been involved in on the football field or off the football field. But this week, we're going to get serious a little bit. Just a little bit. There's a lot to talk about based on what happened last week. A lot of historical-like moments. Pat just emphasized the election, right? Joe Biden is the new president of the United States of America, vice president, something that has never been done before. Two times, right? Two times. Kamala Harris became the first female to ever be elected vice president of the United States of America. Not only is she a female, right? She's a woman of color. Not only she's a, is she's a woman of color, she's also an AKA. So I know the AKAs are across the globe. Oh, They're going man. crazy. Uh, just, fe- just females as, as a whole, right? They're going crazy. They're going bananas because she's been able to do something many thought would never be done before. And last week, Pat, we had a very, very intriguing conversation with Joy Taylor of FS1. And you talked a little bit to Joy about empowering women, right? Little right. girls. Just seeing what happened last week, you know, did you have a message for your little daughter? Man, I showed, first and foremost, I showed my daughter that that clip, that joy on that question that I asked her. I showed my daughter that clip, and next thing you know, we got Miss uh, Miss Harris being the vice president of the United States, and we sat there and watched, you know, her her uh, her speech when they found when they found out once they won. So. I definitely want to, I know she's only four right now, going on five years old, but you have to be able to teach them constantly things like this, as we may think it it, it may be so big for them right now. But at the same time, if they're able to grasp to songs and grasp to other things around the world, they should be able to grasp and tap into their mental aspect. So it was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful, uh, week for us, uh, last week seeing passing that message on to my daughter and also seeing Ms. Harris being elected as the uh, vice president of the United States. Uh, no question. I, and that's one of the things I'm, I emphasize uh, to my daughter as well. You know, she's seven. You can do anything you want to do. Just right. make sure you put it in the universe, put it out in the universe 
and believe it. And I say right. the same thing for my little boy as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to speak self-confidence into yourself. Wake up oh, in yeah. the morning and tell yourself you're great. You're the best at whatever it is you need to do. Right. You're super fast. You're strong. You're intelligent. Mm-hmm. And just keep speaking it into existence and believing it. Right. Believing it. And don't ever let anyone tell you you can't do something, including yourself. So yeah, that's one thing I tell my baby girl as well. No doubt. No doubt. Now, listeners, viewers, it's time for Cardinals check-in. This is where we recap the most recent ball game, which was week nine against the Miami Dolphins. Pat's former team growing up as a youngster in South Florida. He was a big-time Dolphin fan. I don't think he's a Dolphin fan anymore. (laughs) He bet not be. But uh, entertaining ball game. The Miami Dolphins traveled out west to the desert. They came up with a huge win, 34 to 31. Like I said, it was an entertaining ball game. But, Pat, you were involved in that ball game. And I can tell you this much. You know, you played against a young quarterback, rookie quarterback, that is, in Tua Tungavailoa, making his first start, second start, I'm sorry, first on the road. What were your early impressions about his game as a professional quarterback, seeing him make his second start in the league, his first start on the road? The Dolphins did a offensive Staff did a great job of putting him in great positions, you know, not giving him difficult reads to make. You know, it was either it was a first read or a check down, either it was a screen or a boot, like easy reads for him right in front of him to get the ball off his hands and get him in the rhythm and get him going. But very impressive on on his ball placement, on um, the way he was able to to sit in the pocket sometimes, where he was able to move around and also convert some um, very very important third downs and, and, and some of those key key drives for his offense. So what he what he displayed Sunday, it was a I won't necessarily say a thing of beauty because, you know, as a defensive player, you you, you don't want that many points put up on you. But the way he played Sunday, uh, the Dolphins looked like they got a a, a very, very young quarterback in, um, on their team. Yes. Talking about two of his numbers, 20 of 28. Uh, 248 yards, two touchdowns. Clearly, he will be entering a lot of fantasy lineups based on his performance last week against you guys. And you talked about his ball placement. Some things that normal fans might not pick up on and, and, and identify. Something that I saw, and I'm going to call out a play, and I know you know exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Third uh, quarter, they're coming out. Done. I think it, it was 39. You're playing off technique, kind of with similar, like almost like you were bailing a little bit, but you wasn't, right. you, you wasn't pressing, right? Right. And I read you when you saw, I think Parker, I think it was yeah, Parker. It was Parker. You was on top of the route and you, he, he gave you a stem. And what a stem is, listeners, viewers, when a wide receiver runs, but he's not running straight, he's stemming his route. Usually they yeah. either stem inside or outside. Right. Usually when they give you an inside stem, like a, a, a slight slant, they're going to run an in-cutting route. Could be a right. dig, could be a curl. Yep. And boy, Pat Peterson, <laughs> he thought he had him one. Yeah, but man. the young quarterback was able to throw shoulder. you, throw Parker away from you. Right. Because if he throw the ball where it was supposed to go, that, right. that's a book. Right. No doubt about it. No doubt so about talk, it. tell us a little bit. T- t- Talk us through that play. You know what I mean? Take us inside your mind because clearly you thought you had one. Yeah, I did. And uh, and I knew it was a curl because, like you said, not only because it's a stem, but I believe it was 88 or 81 because it was like in a, a nasty a nasty bunch. What, what, explain a nasty bunch. 
which is it's kind of like a, it's a it's a tight a X cut split with the tight end. Mm-hmm. You got a running back in the backfield, so that's creating a, a nasty bunch. It's not like a traditional bunch, yep. which is like you know receivers and a tight end, two receivers and a tight end. They they included the running back into the bunch set. Right, exactly. Yeah. So now um I see the tight end go out straight to the flat right now. So me knowing route combinations, you know, you know some, what's coming. Yeah, anytime anytime somebody go out, I know it's gonna be a curl or a dig. I know you're yes, going sir. somewhere inside. It's the inside route, no question. Yes. I started I started uh I didn't backpedal no more once I recognized whoever the tight end was, I can't remember the number. Once I saw him go out to the flat, so I was like, Oh, let's settle down a little bit. Boom, yeah. settle down. I got inside. Cause it was obviously, you know, a curl, a curl nine times out of 10 is going to be on that inside number high or low. No so question. I'm saying, boom, oh, I beat him to his spot. I don't beat him to his spot. God damn it. Tua put that thing on the, <laughs> the opposite 11. Hey, damn, that was a good throw. Yo. I got up. I said, I said, that's a good throw, dog. I said, that's a good placement right there, man. That might, out of all the plays Tua made, that was the best play. Yeah. And that is the one. Down. And it was backed up. And, and they were we backed up. And yes. You guys had the lead. They were backed up third down. If you get your hands on the pass, clearly it's a big play for you guys. But if you intercept the, that pass, it's a bigger play. Right. But best case scenario for them, they converted it because of his understanding and reading you right. as a defender. And young quarterbacks don't usually display that that early yeah. in their career. So that's a play that many people are not talking about, but I saw it. Cause I, when I saw you come out that plant, boy, you came out that thing so precise. It was like yeah. bam, bam. Mm-hmm. I said, yes, sir. They're going to celebrate, but Tua put the ball <laughs> only where he can put the ball for you not to get it. And it was a completion. And I think they went down and eventually scored on that same drive, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So yeah, yeah. that was a huge play. Yeah. You know, and talking about starting off slow, it, it's, that seems to be a, a recent trend for the team, you know, seem like the halftime adjustments are on point and you guys come out looking like a different ball club. What mm-hmm. can you do the week of prep? Right. To emphasize, you got to start fast and finish even faster. You know what right. I mean? Especially in the National Football League with it being so difficult to win week in and week out. You mm-hmm. can't really give a team an opportunity to get off to a good start against you. So right. what you being a leader on the team, a captain on the team and, and recognizing the slow starts, uh, what, what do you plan to emphasize for the remainder of the season when you look at the week of prep? Emphasize starting fast and even fa- finishing faster. Um, it goes to that, that, that last 48 hours of prep throughout the week. You know how the, how schedules are. Wednesdays, you all day. Thursday, all day. Friday, all day. Saturday, all day. Then Saturday, you got that walk through and then you pretty much free. So what are you doing within that 48 hour period to make sure that you're ready for the ball game? You know, so those 48 hours are the most important hours up into the game because nine times out of 10, you kind of, you kind of forget or you can't revert back what happened on that Wednesday practice or what happened on that Thursday practice. So that Saturday, that, that, that Friday, even that Saturday, that's that whole Saturday is very, very important. So do more because yeah. evidently it's, it, it's not, it's not helping us as a team to be successful. So we have to do more in our preparation individually and as a defense you know, we have to dig down deep and make sure that we're on the same page at all times. And that starts in practice on Tuesdays when we're in that, in, in those film sessions and going through those walkthroughs and going into practice. And hopefully that leads over into the game on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. And no doubt in this upcoming week, week 10, it's not going to get any easier. 
Yep. Uh, you got the Buffalo Bills, but you do get mm-hmm. them in the at the crib. Uh, yeah. Buffalo, they're seven and two. They just beat up on the Seattle Seahawks. Another entertaining ball game, forty-four yeah. to thirty-four. Buffalo, they're playing some real inspired football, especially on the offensive side. Uh, they yeah. got a young quarterback in Josh Allen. Uh, a few right. weeks ago, he definitely was in that MVP conversation. Kind of, kind of slowed down a little bit. They had a few losses, but still playing real good football. I, I would say maybe last year, clearly the year before, if you were playing against Buffalo. The goal would be to make Josh Allen beat you. But right. what we're seeing throughout 2020, he can beat you. So what is the mindset for you guys defensively in attacking Buffalo's offense to be able to have success against them to come out with a win based on what they are doing well? You know, with me watching the film early on on Buffalo, they do a great job of pushing the ball downfield, do a great job of – but they got a very good balanced attack. So – Far as in the passing game, you want to you want to give them different looks. You don't you don't want to make you want you, you want to make sure that you're moving around, show them something, but give them something else. So I believe that's going to be our point of emphasis this week, and and, and making sure that we move around, making sure that we're not mannequins and, and, and Kodak moments to where we're giving him the picture of what we're going to play. So I like that Kodak um, moments giving yeah. him a picture. I see what you did there. Yeah. Let's play it. Go that pop in. But anyway, <laughs> man, um, we have to make sure that we continue giving him different looks and, and first and first and foremost is stopping the run. You know, you have to stop the run because when teams are able to run the ball, they feel like they're able to impose their will. So if we're able to stop the run, make sure that we continue giving Josh different looks, try to confuse him as best as we can. Um, and our offense can put up points as they have been doing. Thus far throughout the season, it should be another entertaining game that we, we we hopefully can come out on top of. Yeah, and one thing about their offense, you know, talking about the success that Josh Josh Allen is currently having, uh, it, he finally has a number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. And the yeah. thing that I like about their offense, they utilize Stephon in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, you don't know where he may line up at. And I would think defensively that would be the guy you would be following. But yeah. there's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of reps where he's in the, in the slot. slot. Yeah. yeah. So when when things like that happen, let's say uh, Vance Joseph walks into the meeting room, Pat P, you got digs. You follow mm-hmm. him wherever he goes. He goes in the bathroom. You make sure you follow him as well. Yep. But when he lines up in the slot, how does that change that philosophy for you? It just all depends on the call. You know, if we're in man, obviously I'm going to take him. If he's in the slot, I take him. If we're in zone, depending on what zone you just line up in. on his side. If he's exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it just depends. It just it just depends on the call. But me and Stefan had some great battles going back when he was in Minnesota. And what a great competitor that he is, man. He's so feisty, very very strong, strong hands, and just a competitor, man. I know that I'm going to get his best shot. I know. From the first play to the last play, Diz is coming. And you know, and that and those type of receivers I love going up against because that makes you better. That makes you want to compete and makes you want to bring your game to a higher level. So it's a joy. It's a joy for me to, to have these opportunities to 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 guard these these young top guns in this league, because that's what I live for as well. So she'll be another entertaining matchup uh between him and I. We'll see what the outcome's gonna be Sunday afternoon. Real quick. Hit on the challenges of a smaller wide receiver. Cause you talked about loving the big boy matchups. You know right. what I mean? The, the, the old school cars, the 70, yeah. 73, uh, Chevys, yeah. Yeah. the big boys, right? Right. But now you got a little, a little Tudor. You got a little coop <laughs> coming to town. So talk coop. about the challenges, you know, in facing a smaller wide receiver compared to a guy like a DK Metcalf, you know, yeah. Julio Jones type. 
Man, you know the little guys don't like getting touched, man. So they they like speed releasing. So can you explain to so, the listeners, viewers, what a speed release is? So what I do is when I garden most guys, like we'll we'll say Julio Jones for an example. Me, yeah. Julio Jones is like a step and go. So to me, that's a strong release. He's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna jab it and get into where he needs to go. So then you got then you have uh then you got the ABs, the guy that's gonna shuffle at you, shuffle at you, give you all the illusion with his hands, think he's yeah. moving and try to shake you because he you know most most of the time DBs get their eyes high. So that's eventually. why I always yeah. eventually. So that's why I always have a hat on. When I'm in my press coverage, I'm always keeping my hat on to force me to keep my eyes down because if I keep my head up now, this visor is giving but, me the information that my head's coming. So when you say hat, you're 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 referring to your helmet, right? Nah, I'm talking about when I'm training in the office. I'm talking about. Oh, when you're training. Oh, yeah. so, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay. So <laughs> this, now this is, this is a cool insight. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of people train different ways, especially when it right. comes to the secondary play. So when you're training, getting ready for the season, you're always training with that hat on to make you keep your eyes low. Right. Exactly. Because this visor, if I get my eyes high, if I got my eyes down on the receiver's waist, right? Uh huh. And I get my eyes up and I, and I look up, I'm going to look at the visor. I won't look up at the, the receiver's shoulders, the shoulders. Cause once the, cause when, what DBs get, uh, when they get beat at the line of scrimmage, it's their eyes. Their eyes mm-hmm. get high. And when your eyes get high, your shoulders going to come high. And when your shoulders come high, now you all off balance. Cause next thing you know, you're on your heels. You're on your heels. When you get on exactly. your heels, you have no balance, no foundation at all. So, yeah. so what's going to force you to keep your eye, your shoulders down is keeping your eyes, yeah, and eyes. your head down. No so doubt. that's no why doubt. this buyers, this hat is so important to me when I'm training because it's nothing but everybody got a hat. You just put a hat on, go through your DB drills, keep your eyes down. And, Man, soon, and, and you'll know the indication if you're getting your, your head up because now you'll see somebody, if you're going with somebody giving you a release, they'll yeah. see your head constantly coming up. Now that's the, you know, most people are like, man, my eyes was down, man. I know my eyes was down. Put that hat no. on. That's going to yeah. tell you every time. That's going to tell you every time. Man, listen, anyway, man. Man, listen, hey, hey, that is great insight. And I hope clearly we have people that listen to us and we have people that watch us. But what you just brought to our attention needed to be seen. So make sure you guys check us out on YouTube and see exactly what Pat is talking about for you young corners out there that want to learn and understand certain little things that can get you guys to be extremely disciplined. Check that out. If you guys are coaching, whatever the case may be, because that's quality insight, because I never really heard people talk about working out with a hat unless you're trying to block the sun but you're working out with a hat because you're trying to keep you're trying to practice eye discipline right eye discipline and eyes yep. are very very important when it comes to playing football no especially on the defensive side in the second day so man listen man I, I, coach pat thank yes, you for sir. that that hey, insight i got i gotta finish on the speed release okay gonna, go ahead yeah yo, yeah i forgot about the speed release Stephon you got me fired up about the eyes go ahead <laughs> so stefan diggs he's a speed release guy which yeah. is a guy that's just gonna get right to where he needs to go right now is so nine times out of ten, if he's if a, if he's a, if a, if he's the left receiver, right? So nine times he's going to speed release to his left. So he's just going to go to his spot, dip his shoulders, so I can't press him, see his mm-hmm. numbers, and try to stack me. So now I know what was stacking. What does that mean? So he's trying to get in front of me, so in front I don't of have, you, in front of me, so I yep. don't have an opportunity to play the ball. But with me playing for ten years. I know the angles to take so he don't have an opportunity to stack me. Mm-hmm. So that's Listen, another little insight. Angles so, that's what, yeah. are so important in covering yeah. wide receivers. Right. Angles can put the slowest defender in positions to be successful and, if you utilize and, the right angle. And exactly. So going back to that first play against Seattle, 
the reason I, I quick jam Lockett because yep. I know Lockett, he's, he's a straight down the line guy. Lockett yep. don't give you, he don't give you nothing. Lockett's going to come straight to you. So I knew him and, uh, I knew exactly if I got him one on one, honestly, it didn't matter who I had one on one. I was quick jamming whoever, yep. but it goes to my prep knowing. So like last week, I didn't do my quick jam because it really wasn't, I didn't have to present that. Yep. But this week, it might, it might pop up. You know what I mean? Listen, so well, Pat, every week is a quick jam week. Let's set the tone every week. We ain't got ain't no time to play around them people, man. Set the tone every week. But Let the them know what is, time it is. And it also depends on the calls, though, because like yeah, last week yeah. we was playing. We we played. We didn't play a lot of man to man coverage. We 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 played a lot of zone coverage. Gotcha. So I wasn't able to implement that. So like I said, going into game plans, when I know we gonna be a heavy man. It's gonna be a heavy game planning game day. Oh yeah, they're gonna get it early. Real quick before we, you know, get out of this, uh, Cardinals check in, getting ready for the, the re, uh, the upcoming ball game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, you said something that was very, very interesting last week, your media interviews that you had leading up to the ball game. You talked about wanting to play another four or five years. Number one, where did that number come from? And then also you talked about how much fun you're having on the podcast, all things covered. And this could be an entry into another career whenever you're done, you know, uh, locking up wide receivers in the National Football League, but yeah, talk uh, four or five years. Where that number come from, and 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 do you see yourself doing this? You know, when it's all said and done, you know, becoming a media guy like me. <laughs> you know, Mac. You know, my my body and my mind feels unbelievable. I don't feel like I'm 30 years old. I I, I, I truly feel like physically, I feel like I'm about about 27. And, you know, I feel like I can definitely play at a high level for another four to five years because, you know, I do everything um, off the field to make sure that my body is in, in great shape. I, I do everything to make sure I'm mentally sharp. Um, you know, I'm not like LeBron James that putting a million into my body, but I at least put 300 in my, into my body to make sure that I'm, I'm where I need to be on Sunday, you know, because I, I see my body as my temple and I see it as an investment. So nine times out of ten, if you invest in something, you want to put your heart and soul into it and make sure that you get a great return. Mm-hmm. So I'm investing into my body to make sure that I'm on point on Sunday to where I get a great return into these contracts. You know, now I'm possibly being a free agent next year, working into my third contract, you know, so those are things that, you know, I believe that set the great players and the average players apart. Yeah. And one thing about great players, they, they don't have an off season. Yeah, they no, don't have. There's, there's, there's you no know, I'm thing. always grinding, Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah one thing I know about Pat P, he's always grinding. And now yes, I also know he's he's grinding with a hat on, and he's oh, yeah. always playing golf. Yep. Those those are the two things I know about Pat P. Not the 100%. one thing, the two things. So, yes, sir. Uh, quality, quality insight can't get no insight better than that. Uh, that's what we do here. All things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden. Pat just took you guys into the mind of a lockdown corner. It's time to jump into Around the League. Here's where we get a chance to tap into other stories uh, throughout the National Football League. Uh, quite a few stories that happened over this past week. One big-time story with a big-name player, J.J. Watt, could be looking for a trade this upcoming offseason for the Houston Texans. One thing about the Houston Texans, granted they fired Bill O'Brien a few weeks ago, the damage was already done. I mean, Bill O'Brien basically traded all the way the resources, the draft picks to be able to improve the team for veteran players. And those players clearly, uh, that process has not worked out 
as, as accordingly. And because of that, they need resources. So when you look at J.J. Watt looking to be traded, Pat, I still believe he can play at a high level, especially if he's playing uh with a championship-like team. But when you see veteran big-name players, if I'm not mistaken, J.J. Watt was in your draft class, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I yeah, mean, that man, 2011 just... draft class was Loaded. impressive. That might go down as one of the best draft classes ever, but that's another mm-hmm. topic of discussion. Right. But he'll be 32 in March. Like I said, same draft class as you. Uh, last week, J.J. said, I don't think it's any secret that I don't have 10 years left in this league. I personally believe that I do have a few more good ones left in me, but I'm not looking to rebuild. I'm looking to go after a championship, and that's what I want. And, you know, a few years ago, the Cardinals weren't a championship-like team. You know, but now you guys are trending in a different direction. So as a player and understanding where JJ is coming from, what do you expect to see happen with JJ going forward after this year? Honestly, it's hard. In the Arizona Cardinals uniform? (laughs) We'll take him. You know what I mean? We'll definitely take him. But, you know, you, you, you never know. What, what, what would happen? You know, I believe they got what it takes to, uh, as far as the quarterback. I believe the quarterback is definitely where it starts. You know, it's not many teams you can walk on and say, we can win with that quarterback. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say what's going to happen. And, and, and it's evidently, it's evident that, you know, Bill O'Brien, you know, he didn't do a great job of putting his team in the best position to be successful. And, you know, as much people, alluded to him pretty much giving away all his uh, key assets, just not ha- putting together a really competitive roster. But like J.J. said, he don't have 10 years left in him. You know, yeah. he's, he's he'll be 32 next year. And we all know this league, you know, once you get past 30, these GMs and owners, they're trying to look elsewhere. Why not if, if you feel you can't win it with the, t- the current team that you're on or they're not putting you in the best position or the team in the best position to compete for a championship, why would you want to be there? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you want to continue wasting your years? Because you play this game to win. You play this game to no put question. on the part where you play this game for a championship. Yeah. You know, so when you get in that point of your career to where you feel like you've done everything that you could could for this organization or wherever you at, you know, now I feel like I need to I need to put myself in the best position possible to, to win a championship. Yeah. Because at, at the at the at the same time a team who wants to win a championship, they're going to put themselves in the best position to win a championship. Mm-hmm. And that's their business. And as a player, we're our business. So yep. we have to be able to put ourselves in the best position just like they're thinking. Yeah. And I remember last episode, I think you talked about, you know, the, the difference in a in the narrative. When a player asks for a trade, it's an issue. You know right. what I mean? People want to criticize the player. But when the league, when the team, you know, trades a player away, it just, you know, it happens now. Right different circumstances for different people because I know one thing that you guys are benefiting from is having DeAndre Hopkins. And there were a lot of Texans fans that didn't agree with that trade. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's two sides to look at it. You know what I mean? But I think he should be traded. I think he, it would do him wonders to be able to be a part of a, a a good caliber team that's trended in the right direction. And I think he can help a team win a, win a championship. So I know you talked about you guys would take him in, uh, in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Clearly, the Steelers probably would take him too, because I know his, his brother is there. So I just threw that yeah, out there. I yeah. mean, you can never yeah, have enough. It's only right. Yeah, it's only right. Just throw that out there. So outside of the the JJ Watt story, let's go ahead and go up north to the NFC East to the New York Giants. Uh, big time news happened this week, leading going into the ball game against the Washington Football Club. 
Coach Joe Judge benched Golden Tate for Sunday's game. Discipline for actions during and after the loss to the Bucks on Monday Night Football. Tate was told to stay home on Wednesday. Then he spent the rest of the week on scout team. Tate was caught on camera yelling, throw me the ball. His wife also ranted on Instagram about his lack of opportunities. And I got a statement coming from Coach Joe Judge. First off, it has to be uh, team first for everyone in this building. Every coach, every player. It has to be team first. There are no no exceptions for that. I'm not I'm not going to tolerate any kind of selfish behavior from anybody, coach or a player. It's not going to happen. What, what do you think about that story? Like, you know, who's right, who's wrong? Oh man, I didn't I didn't see the clip and it's a lot can go into that golden tape yelling into the camera and throwing me the you know the doggone ball. Yeah. But I believe, you know, coach is right though. You know, as a team, you have to put the team first. You know, you have to be able to play team ball because everybody that everybody is in it, you know, together. You yeah. know, so you don't want to make sure you don't want to have show that, that selfishness um behavior and, and, and making it seem like it's all about you. So, I mean, there, there, there is times to where, you know, um, you know, you can't be frustrated without, you know, getting the ball or, you know, you feel that you may be open or whatever, but you, you never know what could have went into the, the read of the quarterback. You know, you could have had somebody in his face, you know, and, you know, a lot of things could, could, could go into that. But, um, Joe, coach judge is right. Definitely have to put the team first. And, um, I love his mentality. You know, like you said, nobody, nobody is exempt from uh, being bench or disciplined. You know, yeah. He, 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 like, like they say, he benched Golden Tate. Just to set an example, no, no problem. question. You know, because he's a he's a new head coach, and he want to make sure that he don't lose his team. And yeah. I believe he did what he felt that he felt that was right. Yeah. And let's go to the un, only undefeated team in the NFL, the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Juju Smith Schuster. Friend of the show. We had him on a few episodes. If you missed it, please go check it out. Awesome episode. They balled out. It was a bit nerve-wracking for at least three quarters of the ball game, but they found a way to win. But one thing I want to talk about, Juju tried to celebrate on the star. And if you don't know anything about that story, years ago when T.O. Terrell Owens was playing with the San Francisco 49ers, they were playing against Dallas in Dallas, caught a touchdown, and he, he celebrated on the star. It was a big uh, not a big altercation, but a low-key altercation that happened because of that. So Juju basically tried to uh, redo relive that. <laughs> yeah, relive that celebration. Didn't happen. Antoine Woods uh, stepped in, wouldn't allow it. When you look at the celebrations that offensive players are allowed to do, and the same can be said for defensive players, right? Pat, have you ever been involved in a situation where you wanted to interrupt a celebration? No, no. I mean, if they if they do disrespect the logo, I mean, you have to step in for that. Yeah. You no, know, but anything else, nah. I mean, hell, if you don't want to see it, don't let them freaking score. No way. <laughs> I so, had coaches say that all the time. Yeah, don't be complaining about what they do yeah, when they're in the end zone. If you, if you don't want to see it, don't let them get in there. Yeah. If they don't score, they can't dance. No question. You know, so um, I don't have a problem with it, man. You, you know, as a defense, you know, we just have to do a better job of keeping keeping them out of the paint. But if you if you're trying to do something in the at the fifty yard line that represents our home, that's that's that's, that's just ultimate disrespect, though. That's like almost like a spit in the face. So no question. I I, I didn't see the clip because we was playing, obviously, but um, I would I would definitely interrupt that celebration for sure. Agreed. Now it's time to attack other stuff. Right. We just talked about news around the National Football League. When you look at some of the other sports here, there's a lot going on. Right. And in college football, there's a big time rivalry that's 
set for this upcoming Saturday. Now the rivalry does not have the same energy because one ball club, they're not reaching the expectations. And that's the LSU Tigers playing against Alabama. And guess what? Pat Peterson used to be involved in that very said rivalry, right? And Pat, you played in three LSU Alabama games. I think you were one and two, one and two two in those three ball games, right? Mm -hmm. Can you give us your favorite LSU Alabama memory? I have to go with my second year when we played, when we went up there my sophomore year. It was after the year, uh, Julio and, um, uh, Alabama came down and they beat us in overtime. And I made it a point, you know, when we, when we, when we was, cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a, I was a freshman. He was a freshman. Yeah. We didn't have opportunity to really go up against each other like talking about. So I was like, coach Chavis, which was, he just came as his first year. He just came over from Tennessee. I was like, coach, man, let me, let me get eight. Let me, let me get eight. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, you got him. He was like, you got him. Boom. Um, we going into the game on Friday, had a great week of practice. Yeah. And, um, was that the game you were cramping? Yeah. I, I cramped that game. I you had a pick on the sideline too, right? Yeah. 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 Had a, a big pick on that game. And that game going into that prior to that screen that he caught, he had no catches up until that point. And I had the, obviously the pick they called back. Yeah. But, uh, that was my, my favorite moment in that game was that interception interception that they didn't call back because I knew I picked the ball off and I, I got freaking three feet in inbounds to for them to not say it was complete was a kind of kind of bogus but that was my favorite moment in that game and uh that was my favorite game overall in college and Pat outside of that big matchup between Alabama and LSU this Thursday if I'm not mistaken yep this huge, Thursday huge huge event that's going to kick off tee off I should say not kick off <laughs> Tee off, right? Yo. I know, man. Listen, I know you fired up about this, man. Nah, November, you don't usually have a big golfing event, but the Masters, because of the pandemic, was pushed back to November, Augusta. Man, number one, give me your favorite or your sleeper, right? And how much will you be watching? First and foremost, I am so excited that they were able to put this tournament on. This is like my favorite tournament to watch because you know, have an opportunity to go watch the players play the Masters. You know, I, I attended 2014, 15, and 16's Masters, which was an unbelievable experience. So, uh, you know, just being on the grounds there, it was just like I was in heaven almost in, mm-hmm. in, in a sense. But uh, my my winner is this. This is tough. Well, I know you gave John, you gave John, you get Rambo some love. Yeah, yeah, yeah Rambo. But I, Rambo. I, I want, I want your sleeper. Give me my your sleeper. sleeper. Yeah, your sleeper. Uh, my sleeper, I think Ricky might. He, I think Ricky's finally going to make a run. Ricky has always been in the top 10. Ricky is one of the best putters and, and one of the best ball strikers in the game. I think this is, this is the time he finally breaks loose, um, mm-hmm. to something great. I, I, I will predict Ricky, if he don't win it, which he is my sleeper, he will finish top five. Top five. Yeah. And my, uh, my winner, it's tough because these two guys are so dear to me. One is my next door neighbor and one we just had one uh on the show last week. Um and John, I did say I was picking John to win, but it's gonna going to be between Bryson? No, no, it's gonna be between them two. I, yeah. I if, if if I had to if I had to say who will be in the final group, yeah, I would say Bryson and, and John and John will be in the final two. Well well based on you know the luck of the show, 
you know, all the guests we've had on, you know, all things covered, good things have happened for them, right? I mean, we talked about having a champion on like J.R. Smith, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's a part of an undefeated team, the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, uh, Tyra Matthew, you know, second best record in the AFC, you know, D-Hop clearly on a winning ball club, playoff caliber ball club, the Cardinals. So I wouldn't be surprised. All I'm saying is you need to start monitoring how people are moving and what they're doing because we could be that rabbit foot that a lot of people might need in their back pocket. So 100%. Bryce and John, I mean, clearly two elite golfers. And I, I think it's going to be, you know, when you, so you mentioned Bryson and you missing, you mentioned John, but no love for Tiger. Nah, see Tiger, Tiger's always going to have a fight. But the thing is with Tiger, he haven't played much golf this year. Mm-hmm. See going, going into the master, he at least played about three, four tournaments. Yeah. Going up until the masses, but this year I just, you know, I don't, I, it could be a blessing and a curse, you know, yeah. with him taking the time off and mean he's more healthier, he's less wear and tear on his body. And I'm not counting him out by any stretch of imagination because he won that tournament five times. So it's something that the, the, the course fit, it, it fits to his eye. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know he's going to play well, but it's going to come down to Tiger getting off the tee. If yeah. Tiger can put the ball in the fairway, because he's he's still one of the best iron players to ever play the games. So if he's able to keep it in the fairway, hit 75% of fairways throughout those four days in that tournament, I would say Tiger wins. So that, that will be a great note to look at on mm-hmm. seeing Tiger. And he, and he can get in, up and down from anywhere. Yeah. But that, if he's in the fairway, it takes less stress off his approach shots. And like I said, he's one of the best iron players, iron strikers to ever play the game, it would just make it almost like a pitch and putt for him. So if Tiger percentage of hitting the fairway is over 75%, I'm guaranteeing he will win. I see you, Pat. You giving us, you dropping some, you dropped some, some DB <laughs> nuggets earlier. Now you, you know, you, you got your golf shoes on. You hey dropping man, some all golf things nuggets. Covered. All, all things covered. covered. That's, that's, <laughs> Hey, that's the standard. The standard is the standard. And here all things will be covered, man. So that's great, great, uh, uh, information coming from Pat P talking about the Masters, talking about LSU, uh, Alabama. It's going to be another great week of sports here, here in the country. Robbery week. Yes, robbery week. Don't, and don't forget about Pat P have the, the, the Cardinals. They also have the Buffalo Bills. We talked about that earlier in the show, but it's almost time to get ready for halftime. You know, we just finished this two minute warning. We was able to come out on top, you know, go into halftime with this big lead. Uh, but when we come back, when we come back from halftime, we're going to take a quick break, but we promise you guys a very, very special guest here on all things covered. When we come back out of this locker room, get back on the gridiron, Brandon Marshall will be joining us. So make sure you stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Yo, 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 what's up? We're back from halftime. We got a chance to get some Gatorade, eat some slices of oranges. Now it's time to get right back on the gridiron. And like we promised you earlier in the show, all things covered. We provide big time guests, big name guests. We got an outstanding guest joining us right now. All things covered. 13 year NFL vet, wide receiver, six time pro bowler, first team all pro in 2012. Uh, Twitter, Instagram name is all the same at B Marshall, Instagram, Twitter, founder of House of Athlete, co-host of the I Am Athlete podcast, outstanding podcast. Make sure you check yeah. it out. Also co-host of First Things First on FS1. This man has 20 different hats that he's wearing <laughs> and he's, he wears them extremely good. Man, no other man. Make sure you guys welcome in Brandon Marshall, man. It's a pleasure joining us here. All things covered, man. How your day going? Awesome, bro. Busy. Just landed in New York. Um, and I've been on this Showtime gig inside the NFL for seven years now. So we shoot every Tuesday. So now I travel in on Mondays. We'll shoot Tuesdays and then I'll fly back out. So it's pretty cool to be on what I believe is, you know, a show that we all grew up watching the NFL film, seeing everybody mic'd up. Um, so it's pretty cool opportunity. Yeah. And, and before we get into the nitty gritty, I got a personal question because, you know, Pat's my, 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 my fam. And I've always been a fan of yours, even though you play wide receiver, you know, a lot of DBs yeah. don't really like wide receivers, but <laughs> you and Pat, you guys have been involved in some big time battles. You know what I mean? Some <laughs> big time battles, man. Fill us in on some of your memories when you were going against a young Pat P out there in Arizona with the number 21 on. Yeah, I think I think it's the way the game is supposed to be played. When I think about my battles with Pat P, I remember when he first came in, you know, known as or, or, or talked about as who could be potentially one of the biggest and best uh, DBs the game has ever seen. Uh, so right away, you know, it's, you know, all wide receivers on notice. And, you know, um, what I remember is just a super athletic dude, fast, can make He's just an athlete, right? He's like one of those dudes we grow up in Little League, like, man, the dude can do everything. So when I think about my battles with Pat P, it's, it, it was always like in between the lines, we're going out of each other's head. Like, ain't no friendship. Ain't, yep. you know, I, I, you know, I, I respect you, but when we, when that whistle's blown, you know, we, we gone. You know, it was, uh, it was always that. And then after, you know, the game, those 60 minutes, it was all love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the way the game is supposed to be played where we go at each other's heads in between those lines. And then afterwards, we can look at each other and say, man, great job. Yeah. 
And my, my, my first memory of me and B Marshall matchup, I believe it was 2012, um, when he was with Chicago Bears. The first play, we was in cover two. It was a run play. Man, Brandon Marshall ran. B Marsh came out the ball full speed. I'm in cover two. So, you know, you think you just going to jam and go. Man, yeah. he ran through my chest. I said, oh, man, it's going to be that type of game. <laughs> Hey, Pat, he was trying to set the tone. He was trying no to set the tone. No doubt about it. So when that, when that happened, I said, oh, man, I need, hey, let me buck him, let me buck him up. It's time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. Cause when he hit me, he started talking shit to me. I was like, oh, this, oh, he for real. He for real. So let's, yeah. it's my second year. Be more, I think he was like in year eight or something like that. Uh, no, maybe, maybe think, year six, maybe, I believe. Yeah, I believe like year six. So I was like, cause my first time, like, dog, this dude is like, it's a freaking monster. Like he's six. Six four, cut up. He can run like a gazelle. Like I'm, I'm like I got my work cut out for me from the first play. I was like, yeah, it's gonna be a long day, man. And well, another trying to set that tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what what it was is uh, Rod Smith used to tell me. So Rod Smith was my OG when I first got in the league. Yeah, and he said, bro, you got to approach the run game the same way you approach the pass game mm-hmm. because it sets up what you're trying to do in the pass game. <laughs> So one of the thing, one of the strategies we put in place early in my career, I think it was year two, he was like, the first play of the game, you need to show them how strong you are. So that was my mindset. Every single game was coming off the ball, whether it was run or pass, and being super physical because I knew that was the that was the thing that could separate me from most wide receivers. Right. So it was like the mentality every single game, uh, Pat. But what ended up happening was. You know, Pat ended up getting hit to my game and, and, and how I approached things. And then he became the more aggressive person. <laughs> I'm like, dang, ref, like, you're not going to call it. You don't see the team grabbing me every single play. I remember that. That was it when you was in New York, that Monday night yeah. game. <laughs> hey, hey, B, I came off the ball one time. He grabbed me, bro. And I was like, man, this might be the strongest DB I've ever gone against. What Was it a and pass play or running play? He was like, he was the first DB to counter me with my own, like what I, what I did. He, yeah. I was like, man, this dude literally now is, is playing me the way I played him for a couple of years. So every time I right. came off the line, he would just grab me and try to out physical me. <laughs> student in the game, student in the game. So, you know, B Marshall, man, you still in real good shape. You know what I mean? You work out consistently. You look at what's happening in the National Football League. We just saw two veteran players at the wide receiver position return to the league, right? Des Bryant, Antonio Brown. Do you still have that vibe, that feel of maybe, you know, trying to give it one more shot, come right back in the league, especially seeing some older vets get an opportunity to do the same thing? You know what? If I was actually in football shape, yeah, you know, I I train every single day. I take care of my body uh, 100%. percent i do that for the rest of my life. But I'm not out there running routes, and that's just different, man, like being able to decel – you know, beat Pat P on press coverage. I mean, the last year I had Pat P just destroyed me when I was in Seattle. I was like, all right, it's time to hang him up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get off the line. My ankle was all jacked. I was like, ah, right, it's time. So if I was actually in football shape where I was working on the skill, then I probably would because I do miss the game. I love it. But I'm I'm, I'm really, um, I would say the best word is I'm distracted by what I'm doing in business and off the field. I think it's been yeah. a great distraction for me. They talk about, you know, this transition phase and how it's tough for a lot of our guys. And I truly believe I'm blessed because there's moments, man, where I look at it like, yeah, I can go out there and play right now. Or I missed the game and talk, thinking about um, the goals that I wasn't able, able to, to reach and, 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 and accomplish. You know, it's like, man, as the ultimate competitor, I feel like I can still do it or I want to 
you know, uh, go accomplish some of those things I set out for myself. So, you know, the reality is, man, I, I'm done, <laughs> you know, and I had a great career um, and, and a lot of it I'm proud of. Yeah. And uh, speaking of obviously what you have done um, at the football, have you envisioned yourself doing what you're doing right now, dealing with some of the, you know, mental issues that you deal with throughout your career? Obviously, we know that was a battle, but did you see yourself doing some of the things the the so many things that you're doing right now after football? Yeah, Pat Pete, like go back to 2011 when I was um so the year of the lockout um I spent the entire lockout in 2011 in Waltham, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And uh I was in an outpatient program for 3 months. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and the best way to describe that is a person like a emotional disorder mm-hmm. or being able to self-regulate. Right. And um <clears throat> I was there for three months. I was in, you know, dialectical behavior therapy, self-assessment, mentalization, CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, one-on-one with Dr. Gunderson, the great. I did a neurological evaluation, a self-assessment, just to see if I was capable of change and what I needed to work on. And it was there where, you know, I realized that, you know, I, my identity wasn't all wrapped up in football. And from that very moment is when I started to work on the things that I was passionate about. And it, it all led back to mental health and how I can help people. I spent three months with Harvard built and now the case study studying influencers and athletes that did well with their platform that that was bigger than, you know, their playing career. Um, so in 2014, I started open up facilities. I started my nonprofit in 2012. I started uh, flying out to ESPN and Showtime, taking these meetings and and hit doing these little spots because my goal was, when I, when the game was taken away from me or I retired, that I would be able to have a smooth transition. Right. And, and people always ask, uh, and they always ask all of us, like, oh, well, what are you going to do after you're done playing ball? We all get that question, right? right? And for me, you know, the second half of my career, I always answered it, well, I'm doing exactly what I want to do after ball right now. Yeah. Um, so it was an easy uh, uh, transition. But the reality, and B, you know this, man, um, it comes a point where you look back like, dang, I do miss it a little bit. You know, is that something that we all have to deal with as professional athletes? So yeah. do you think that helped you? Could it, to me, it sounded like it helped you tap into your mental stage to, 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 to really find yourself to really, uh, to let go and, and go out there and be who you know you can be. Yeah, 100%, bro. I think it's all mental. We say that all right. the time, right? Like even you, a, a lot right. of people, I don't know if it's talked about enough how smart you are on the field, right? Like, just mm-hmm. how you're able to adapt. Like, I was able to do that same move mm-hmm. to a number of cornerbacks over and over and over again for 10 years. Right. After, like, year two, you start doing it on me and start dominating me. Right. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, we know it as athletes. Like, the game is 80% mental. But how much do we really put into the mental? We right. know life is 80% mental. And how much do we actually tap into that? So, mm-hmm. yeah, when I started tapping into the mindset, I started finding more about who I am, what I don't, what I don't like, what I like. And mm-hmm. um, I'm still on that journey. But I think it makes life a lot easier and smoother when you understand who you are in your mindset. 100%. And the thing I like about, you know, that part of your growth the process, the thing that I love hearing you come out and talk about, you know, just being more mentally aware and mental health, you were okay in talking about it. You, you, you became vulnerable for everybody. And the thing that we knew about you on the football field, you was a beast. You tried to play bully ball. 
but you became vulnerable and being able to express that. And I think that opened the door for other athletes. You know, we, we, we see the story with Kevin Love, you know, talking about his issues. We just most recently saw that Prescott, you know, talking about his mental issues as well. So it's, it's almost like you are the image, you know, that people are following now. And because of that, we're seeing a lot of other athletes, you know what I mean? Tough guys, right? Yeah. Talk about, you know, being vulnerable and expressing their concerns about mental health and being able to be the best person and also asking for help. We all go through it. You know, we, you know, what I went through isn't unique, but how I dealt with it was, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't all deal with things the same. And, um, you know, well, there's family issues, whether it's just performance issues, being that ultimate competitor, having a down year, bouncing back from a game, bouncing back from an amazing game, right? Like you had to approach failure and success the same way. Same way. So I just think that, you know, all of us, you know, need to look at ourselves and have have that conversation with the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror and say, okay, how am I doing? Um, Because we, we, you know, for us as professional athletes, man, there's a lot that's thrown at us. And you have to be able to tap in daily on where you're at mentally. We do it physically. Why not Why not have that mental check just once a day where it's like, all right, how am I doing, right? right. Am I dealing with stress today or am I dealing with some performance issue? Am I trying to take my game to a whole nother level or am I, or am I trying to get back to where I was from a performance standpoint? You got to you got to have a game plan for both ends of the spectrum, whether impairment, dealing with anxiety, stress, depression, or just performance. Like I'm trying to be that all pro. I'm trying to play another five years. Like mm. You got to tap in every single day with your mental. And before, before we tap into your career, because you had an outstanding career, you know, talking about that transition from the game and Pat, you haven't experienced this yet. Uh, it can be a bit difficult for a lot of guys. And I yeah. think I wish the league would do a better job in helping players when they become former players understand and see what they would like to be involved in to be able to carry on and have a healthy lifestyle but you've been you've been blessed enough to be able to establish things for yourself you know fill the the listeners and the viewers in a little bit about what you have going on right now i kind of read it off when i intro you but give us an in-depth you know insight in-depth vibe of what you got going on because like i said you wearing a lot of hats you wearing them all good you know what i mean so fill us in on that yeah, let's go back to 2014 when I spent three months with Harvard, and I just talked about it. Uh, I sat down with Professor Anita Elberse, uh, who has the uh, BIMS program out there. A lot of high-profile people attend every single year. I think I was the first one in her inaugural uh, class. <clears throat> we spent three months looking at influencers uh, because I read a book. It was called Blockbuster. It was her book. And I was like, all right, well, when am I building that's going to be bigger than me? How do I how do I become that live strong Lance Armstrong uh, in the mental health space like what he did in, for the cancer community? So I was on this journey just to learn. So what came out of that was a few things. Magic Johnson, live strong Lance Armstrong were two cases that popped out to me. And Magic Johnson in particular was one where I was like, man, why is this dude still doing television? Why is he flying around? And, you know, I know a lot of listeners may think this is crazy, but a guy who's worth a half a billion dollars, but he's doing television where he may make a, you know, two million dollars, if that on ESPN talking about basketball. In my mind, I was like, he's losing money. He could be in his office willing and dealing. So one of the things that stood out uh, with that particular case was how he continued to talk about basketball to have a platform to help other people in other communities and then also just have a brand. So that's why I got into television was because of Magic Johnson. So I started this thing where I called I'm going on tour every offseason right after the season. 
I would fly around to Bristol, Connecticut, do the ESPN car wash. I would go to LA, do the, you know, the the lifestyle stuff with E Entertainment. I would actually do red carpets where I'm interviewing pe- people because what I wanted to do was actually get the reps, meet the producers, potentially have something set up so I can transition right into something and that I continue to have a platform. I never wanted to do television. I still don't want to do it. Like, this is not my thing. But I understand that it's a platform to still have a voice and a brand because mm-hmm. the ultimate goal is, like, unlocking human potential for me. And that's what we're doing at House of Athletes. So it's like, okay, I'm using this. Like, I'd use football as a platform uh, to really help other people. So that's my way of continuing, you know, to have that voice, that platform, so I can push people back to the things that I think is important. To me, I think we need to do these five things daily. We all need to train. And this is what we all did to make it to where we're at, why Pat P is still playing at an extremely high level, because we do these things every single day. And I think the general population needs to adopt the athlete lifestyle. We train. We don't work out. We train. That's a, that's just our lifestyle. We right. fuel correctly. We, ma- we, we, we track our macronutrients. Supplementation is big because I, you know, we know we can't get all of our, our, our nutrients through food. So that's why we supplement. We understand supplementation. The third thing is we're mentally fit, like to be able to deal with stress on one side, but then performing at a high level on the other. Like our mindset is, is, is out of this world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't have a plan, but we should have a plan. So mental fitness is big. And the fourth thing is recover. You know, you got to bounce back from injuries. You got to bounce back from bad days. You got to be able to go on vacation. And the last thing is try. None of us made it to this point uh, without like a team, people that was able to uh, help us along the way. So for me, everything goes back to that. Like, how do I help people? And I just find that open up these facilities on the for-profit side is actually more impactful than what we were doing on the non-profit side. So coming in and talking to people about BMI and their body fat and how to lose weight, how to get in shape or athletes, how do I get to the next level or how do I maintain? It starts the conversation on mental fitness. Like, how are you doing mentally right now? They're more vulnerable. Now they're willing to have that conversation. Now we have mental health practitioners right there on site that can help them deal with anything that they're they're facing. And where's your facility? So right now we have one in South Florida. We're opening up 42 in the next in the next five years. So we'll have we have one in South Florida. We're about to break ground in Miami, Santa Monica, Houston, Dallas. Uh, and from there, we'll establish our multi-site management system and then we'll start scaling. Um, but that's the goal as of right now. Wow, then that's we launched our supplement that's line and um, that's going really well as well. And also, too, I saw that you have some merchandise as well, right? Yeah. So, yep. Apparel. My wife took over the I was doing something. I just wanted some swag. And yep. uh, she came in one day. She's like, what are you doing? Where are you finding these T-shirts and everything? And my wife actually went to school for fashion merchandising um, and then also psychology. So interesting background. Uh, so she created a performance line that drops next month to compete with like the Lululemons of the world and, you know, the Adidas and Nikes from a performance standpoint. So really cool things that she uh, produced uh, and created. So excited about that as well. And where could people, when it does drop, when it drops, where could people purchase it? Yeah, people can participate now. Like if they go to House of Athlete, and I appreciate you asking that question. Uh, Houseofathlete.com is up and live. Our supplements are there. Um, they're also on Amazon, also on our, our social media. We'll, we're, we're about to announce a, some few, a few pretty cool collaborations with some big companies that's going to help us push our company forward. Okay. And one thing that I like that you did, you know, the creation of 
house of athlete outside of house of athlete, which is an umbrella. You be, you was able to branch off and come up with, I am athlete, the podcast, you know, tell, uh, fill us in a little bit about the podcast because listeners, viewers, if you haven't checked it out, it's entertaining, it's informative and it's a blast to watch. I'm a big time fan of it, but yeah. fill us in a little bit about uh, the podcast. I am athlete. You know what, bro? I'm gonna be honest. Just a way to control our narrative. Again, you know, um, looking at you know, you know, you started this before I did. The podcast world and understanding YouTube and understanding controlling your own message. You know, eventually that's what I would want to lean towards. And only doing so, I'm not doing five, six different things. I just think the way we talk about sports is boring, right? It's so traditional. And I want to be able to have conversations like this where it's like the locker room. Like you're in the locker room right now. And that's your set. Right. And, and I think people want to see, they want to hear these type of conversations. That guy sitting up in suits talking about X's and O's and oh, Patrick Peterson, 75% of the time on third and short. Well, it's probably 90, no, 97% of the time on third <laughs> and short. He's going to be pressed man, right? Like people don't care about, they want to know, they want to hear this. Pat, he jammed me. Why did he jam me? Because I, I showed him the same thing over and over and over again. Right. So that's what the I Am Athlete podcast is, exactly what you guys are doing. It's trying to bring people into the locker room for real, not just mm-hmm. talking X's and O's, which people can get on any other network. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I must say, B. Marsh, you have tackled your postseason, I mean, your post career, bro. Uh, my no God. <laughs> hey, but let's, uh, let's revisit your career. But first, it seemed to be a habit for us to have the experience to be talking to XDBs. We had Juju, yeah, had Juju Smith, AR, and we had D Hop. All end up playing different positions in different sports now, but they all were DB at some. They point. all were DBs. Yeah, Jr. Smith was a DB. So, Juju, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. So, yeah. so how, how good? How good were you as a safety? As at, a safety uh, at UF, uh, UCF. You know what? I was a like. I was a lot like you, bro. I was just a ball hawk. No, I, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. I wasn't like you. You too aggressive. <laughs> What was that? Two games ago. I don't know if y'all was playing Seattle. You came up. It was the quick jam on Lockett. It was a big, it was a big play in the game where it was, it was a run and you had to come up and make a stop. And I said, how Uh, is this dude? Who was y'all? Who are y'all playing? That was, uh, that was Seattle. Um, it was, uh, like third and seven. They ran out to my sideline. I had to get off the receiver block and that tackle before you got the first. Yeah. I ain't doing all of that. Hey, me, that me came up. I got out of my seat, and that probably went over people's head. But I'm like, y'all, do y'all understand? You know what this man just did, right? Like, for him to play at this level, a lot of DBs turned it down. And for me, mm-hmm. you know, I was a dude that was like, from a ball skill standpoint, I was a lot like you. I was going to get the ball if it, if it right. was in my air, I was catching the ball, right? right. Mm-hmm. I think you played everything in high school and growing yep. up, wide receiver, quarterback, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a lot like you. I love playing it. I thought I would actually have a better career, it, you know, like a, a more like, um, you know, decorated career if I played DB, but I didn't yeah. have passion for it. Like, and I was a safety and I didn't hit, like, I, I wasn't that type of, I wasn't that type of guy. I'm going for the ball. Even ball hawking. You're Use running in my hawking. area. I'm trying to strip the ball. I'm trying to do all of that. But man, I ain't want to deal with those stingers. I don't know how y'all do it. And I started to come up. What, what year is this? Like year ten for you? Yeah, it's ten right now. I was like, what is more year ten coming up like that? I ain't doing that in year one. <laughs> hey, you got, hey, hey, one thing, one thing people don't understand when you play defense, especially in the secondary, when they they make you crack replace, 
Oh, and man. listeners, viewers, if you don't know what crack replace mean, that's mean the wide receiver, they're not blocking us as a corner. They're going to get the safety of the oh, linebacker because they want to make us tackle. Oh, that's yeah. when you got to do extra shoulders in the weight room because them yes, shoulders are going to have to be tough to be able to handle these elusive, strong running backs. So, no doubt yeah, about it. it's definitely a beast. When you So you got drafted to Denver. Um, in, in Denver and also in another stop in Chicago, you had an opportunity to play with Jay Cutler, uh, very, very talented, uh, quarterback, a little bit misunderstood, but extremely talented, right? What was that relationship like between you and Jay Cutler? Tumultuous. (laughs) 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 You know, I mean, we're, we got drafted the same year, 2006. (laughs) He went first round. I went fourth round. And uh, we had so many first experiences together, and we had dreams, man. Like, I remember our, after our first touchdown, us meeting in the end zone, and we have this painting um, cap- this painting captured this moment where we went to each other, and the first thing I said, I said, all right, we got 140 more to go. We're going to go after uh, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison's record for combos as far as how many touchdowns between the two. And um, Josh McDaniels came in. And broke that up. We were the number one offense throughout the regular season in 2009. And then Josh McDaniels came in, broke that up. Jay Cutler was shipped to Chicago, and that was the end of that. And then I got an opportunity, like you said, to go back to Chicago. He wanted to put the band back together. He brought in our offensive coordinator, brought me in, and it was awesome. And the reality is, man, and it's well noted, and I've said this several times, um, Jay is just – he's a gunslinger. Um, I don't think he – I don't think he had all the tools and skills he needed to really lead a team. And when you're in the NFL, that quarterback, you got to be like a CEO. And um, I think he tried to develop that over time and it just couldn't, it could never come around. And it got to a point in Chicago, man, where those first couple of years he was hit so bad. It it just seemed like it it wore on him mentally and physically. And then we just didn't have enough to get it done. So our relationship, bro, I mean, there's so many stories, man. We used to yell, scream at each other, and then go out there, and he throw, he still throw it to me 10, 15 times. Love-hate relationship, huh? Oh, man, 100%. You know, it was, one of those, it was one of those things where, you know, the early on in my career, I was like, all right, I'm balling. But as I got older and we got to Chicago, I was like, yo, look, they, 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 uh, got, they let go. Not let go. They didn't bring back Brian Urlacher. They paid you. They paid me. They brought they they brought in Martellus, paid him. We paid Martellus Bennett. They brought in Bushrod, a left tackle. They paid him. They drafted Kyle Long first round. Like now they went from the the monsters of the midway, just like leaning on our defense and saying, Brandon and Jay, you go lead us. Right. And I thought it that came with uh, a lot of responsibility, and it, we needed to have a behavior change, and it never happened. And that's the thing that really you know, frustrated me in Chicago when it came to an end was I really wanted to win a Super Bowl. And I thought we had the pieces because it had me. We had me, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, Matt Forte. Hester, too. Hester was on that team, right? Right. In the prime. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, you never really played with a real star quarterback until your final season you played with Russell Wilson. Do you think things would have been different? You caught touchdown passes from Jay Cutler, as you talked about, Kyle uh, Orton, Chad Haney, Matt Moore, uh, Jason Campbell, (laughs) (laughs) Josh McClown. uh, You got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and also lastly, Russell Wilson. And the best one on that list is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Absolutely love playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. It's the same thing Hop said. You taking Ryan Fitzpatrick over Jay Cutler? 
Yeah, bro, because like I'm, you know, from a from a from a physical standpoint, Jay Cutler all day. Okay, and I think everybody in the league know that. But when you when you talk about giving your giving your team the best opportunity to win, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he made it fun, man. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick is the ultimate teammate. Everybody loves him, no matter where he goes. One hundred percent. I love Jay Cutler. You know, I wouldn't have the bag if it wasn't for Jay because he was I was averaging 170 targets uh, <laughs> a with him. But at the end of the day, it comes to a point where you want to win games. Yep. And Ryan yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to present the best opportunity, I thought, out of all the quarterbacks I played with outside of Russell Wilson. I really don't count Russell Wilson because I was only there, you know, um, half the year pretty much up until the trade deadline. And, you know, I was a shell of myself then. Wow. Yeah, Pat, I forgot. D-Hop did say the same thing. Yeah, so Ryan Fitzpatrick gave some thing. love from some big-time wide receivers. Yeah. Hey, so uh, B. Marsh, in 2009, you had a record day. You had 21 catches in the game with the Broncos. Man, against the Colts. Yeah, Mr. Coach, no doubt about it. What was the breaking point in that game? Like, did you feel it? Like, when you came in, when you woke up that morning, you thought you was going to go off? Like, what, what, what was the mood like going into that game? Yeah. So, uh, cool story. I was chant, I was, uh, channeling my inner Jay Z. Jay Z Ho just came out with some type of album and I just loved how he was moving. You know, like mm. everything he did was effortlessly. Everything he did was like, I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to be that. And at that time, I was still trying to find myself as a premier wide receiver. It was Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald. You still had T.O. in that discussion. Um, and those yeah. guys, Marvin Harrison. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and Reggie Wayne, Reggie Steve Wayne. Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had all those guys, Steve Smith, and and I was this young pup on the block, like coming, and so I was trying to establish myself and like who who I was. Like, do I want to celebrate? Am I a guy that's going to pitch the ball to the ref? And I just decided that moment, like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be like Jay Z. Yeah. <laughs> that blueprint. was the that was that the blueprint. Blueprint, blueprint, blueprint three. three. That was yeah. blueprint. Okay, yeah. Great. Blueprint yeah, three. Right. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, I listened to the album the whole the whole week. And I said, okay, everything I do on the field is going to be like that. So I walked out pregame, and I went to Michael Smith, the black reporter. That, and I think I said his name right. Michael Smith, black reporter, uh, used to be with Jamil Hill on ESPN. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before the game, I went to him, and I'm like, yo, bro, I just want you to note this because you know, this is going to happen. This is going to be the best game I've ever played. So fast <laughs> forward, we get into the game, and I literally locked in. And I didn't know how good of a game I was having until – um, Kenny McKinley came up to me when I had 19 catches, 20 catches. And cause I was so focused. If you go back and you just watch the plays, I would just pop up, pass the ball to the ref, get back. I wasn't thinking about any celebration. I wasn't thinking about anything, but getting the job done and taking advantage of every single moment. So I remember Kenny came up to me and he's sitting next to me cause we we're still trailing the Colts. We're still in it a little bit. We're still in it. We were down by like seven or 10 at the time in the fourth quarter. And Kenny sits next to me and he's just looking at me. And I was zoned out. And I was like, bro, you okay? Why are you staring at me like that? And he's like, bro, do you you don't know? Like, you got 20 catches or one catch away from breaking a record? And I was like, I was like, man, why you ain't been telling me this? <laughs> I was so locked in that I didn't even know how many catches I had. And, and wow. that was a great, that was a great learning lesson for me to just, you know, to, to clear out the distractions and just focus on the job at hand. You know, the most confusing thing for me, uh, was when I, I don't think I was watching. I don't think we might have had a game that week or something crazy, but I was like, at what point 
did the, the, the defensive coordinator from the coach just realize we can't cover this guy, so let's cloud him. Was like, it, let, let's find a way to cloud him. That you, like, 10 catches, it was like, okay, no, we can't cover him. 12, like, at what point did he realize, like, we have no answer for this man. Let's go ahead and devote extra attention to him because you were just having a field day. Do you think that record will ever be broken at some point? I mean, yeah, record's meant to be broken, but it has to be, like, the perfect storm. You got to think yeah. about it. You got to have, like, a DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. A quarterback who's going to throw him the ball all the time, and you got to be losing. <laughs> yeah, you got to be losing. You got to be yeah. You got to be chasing. Right? You got to be in the aggressive. Why we were throwing it that many times because we was trailing, so it had yeah. to be like the perfect store. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, speaking of some of the receivers you just mentioned, you know, there's been a back and forth, recent back and forth with yeah. you know wide receivers like Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, you know DeAndre Hopkins, you know Devontae said last week after that huge game Thursday night against San Francisco that he believes he's the best wide receiver in the game currently right now. Being a former wide receiver, former great wide receiver, who do you believe is the best wide receiver and why? Well, let's, let's, let's lay it out, right? It's like the corner cornerback debate. Yep. I, I think being the best cornerback or the best wide receiver just comes down to can you beat one-on-one? Can you beat man-to-man? Can you play one-on-one? If, you can, if you're not in that discussion, if you're not playing like that, you can't, you can't even have this conversation. So let's let's just start there. I just, you know, at the end of the day, any wide receiver can sit in zone and 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 be in that offense where a coach, you know, put you in per- perfect position. I want to see you mano y mano. So when I think about the top wide receivers, I look at Devontae Adams. 100% is a guy that can beat one-on-one. You talk about spicy routes and 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 releases. Yes. And hands everything. Yeah. But then you also, and it's just like a flavor. You got D Hop, who I who I thought two years ago was the best wide receiver, right? I 100% thought D Hop was there. Julio Jones obviously is that guy, and I can't put Julio Jones in it right now because he's banged up. I'm talking about the guys who's hot right now. It comes down to DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf. Oh, I would love to get your thoughts on that kid, DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams. And you can't forget about Stephon Diggs. He's not the number one wide receiver, but we don't we don't talk about him enough. That's a guy that can beat one-on-one coverage over and over and over again. So if I had to pick one one guy I'm going with on my team, I'm more of a D-Hop type guy, a DK Metcalf type guy. You know, I, I, I like the slant route. I like the nine. I like the back shoulder, just big man ball. That's the type of guy, good in the red zone, straight fade slants you know all of that um so if i had to go with with it with a guy right now i go with uh and i one a one b uh dk metcalf and and, and d hop well well b marshall i don't know if you want to go with dk when they're playing against the cardinals because for some reason pat <laughs> p he's been having dk's uh number over the last two meetings they scared of pat p and seattle i was there they don't want to throw <laughs> russ don't want to throw his way <laughs> russ know what's up I think he even picked up. He picked us us picked us off when I was there. Yeah, we talked about it all week. Like, all right, we we can't take too many shots on this side. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, DBs and receiving matchup, uh, we had Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans matchup last week. The breakdown. Uh, of that, of those three, uh, of those last three games. Wow. Uh, I couldn't believe Lynch, that. Yeah. Marshawn Lentz tweeted out, better luck next year. Two targets, zero receptions, two targets, zero reception and two targets, zero receptions in three games. Yeah. Uh, what you think about that matchup right there? 
How do you think Mike Evans is Look, look there's so much there to it, bro. Like, you got to understand when you're going against a really good DB, first of all, they need to – Mike Evans and Tampa Bay need to fix that. He's too good of a wide receiver. Like, there's no reason. Like, Lattimore is good, but I'm not putting him at – I'm not – I can't put him in that conversation of Pat P. I can't put him in that conversation of Champ Bailey. I can't put him in that conversation of Darrell Reeves. I can't do that. You know what I mean? Not, not now. Maybe right. he'll develop a little. Like sometimes DBs, as they get older, they get better, yeah. which yeah, is very right. interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I, but so for for him to dominate that way is 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 really telling. But you gotta like peel back the layers a little bit. When I go against, I used to have books on Pat P. and Darrell Reeves when I played. And I would go to my quarterbacks and I would tell them, like, you got to be so on point. It's not just the wide receiver beating them, but that quarterback and that timing has to be on point. Like, if I run a slant route on Pat P or Darrell Revis or Champ Bailey, if you don't hit me right on my break, their their makeup and and what they're going to do after, like, there's no room for error. Like, you got to hit me right out of my break. So I could beat Pat P, but because you're late and your feet is wrong, now he's getting a PBU. Now he's getting an interception going the other way. And that's what people fail to realize when you're going against dominant DBs. It's like you got to be damn near perfect, right, to really get off on them. And, 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 and so I used to always go to my quarterbacks and tell them, like, all right, look, you got my feet down. I'm going to hold that knee. I'm going to go one, 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 boom. Soon as I, soon as I tap that left foot, throw the ball. Right. <laughs> I want it right there. <laughs> So, so I, I I say all that because you know yes it looks it, it's I mean that's 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 not that doesn't look good for the wide receiver that looks really good for the DB right. but uh, I just I just remember going back to my matchups against um, dominant cornerbacks and I just knew it had to t- it took my offensive coordinators being that like, get me in position and also um, my quarterback with his timing and when I say offensive coordinator like I knew playing against. Pat, like sometimes, or Darrell Revis, you know, you got to move me a little bit. Like, give me mm-hmm. a little room. Zing me, zig me. Right. You know, like, like lighten up that press. Like, them boys are strong. And, and if the quarterback, if the offensive coordinator just leave you out there, then you ain't going to have no chance. Man, that's, that, man, that's great, great insight, man. Great insight, man. And we want to appreciate you for joining us, B-Marge, man. It's an honor, man. And before we that's let great. you go, once again, can you fill the listeners and the viewers in about everything that you got going on from the merchandise, you know, for, for House of Athlete, the podcast, FS1, man, where they can see your face and where they can buy some of this hot merchandise that you have available? Yeah, I think the, the two biggest channels is uh, House of Athlete, um, yep. the House of Athlete on Instagram. We're always dropping something, new information there. Um, I Am Athlete podcast. I never thought that it would blow up like this this fast. Um, so that's pretty cool to see how people are engaging with it. They love this type of conversation where it's just ball players talking in the locker room. Um, so I am athlete podcast, similar to, to, to this show, right? Where you guys just like, we're just talking ball, right? It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's not all buttoned up. It's not traditional. So if you follow those platforms, they'll get everything they need. I really appreciate y'all. And I love listening to you guys. Because it's the locker room, man, and that's that's the thing, Pat P. What you gonna miss when yeah. when when, when, you, when you retire in about five six years? No, you got about yeah. You probably now you gonna go DB. I mean, you gonna go uh, safety or what? Uh, it, it depends if I if I start losing too many steps. <laughs> Pat, you gonna lose some steps, bro? Are, the question is, are you going to go to safety? Are you going? Good to question. Good I will question. be. I will be willing to go to safety. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. We got I mean, you look at some of the great ones. Now, some of so most of the great ones did it. Yeah. yeah, now you're looking at Pat P like for like 
<laughs> he could potentially play 16, 17 years. No yeah. question. No question. Hey, that's the no goal. question. That's the goal. Get with the right organization and you just go ahead and be the ultimate ball, Hawk. Yes, sir. That's, that's it. it. That's, that's it. it, bro. Smarts. Yes, yes sir. sir. Yes, sir. Man, B. Marshall, man, like I said, man, it's an honor, man. Appreciate you joining us, man. All things covered. Pat Peterson, Brian McFadden, man. Yes, Make sure sir. you guys check them out. B. Marshall, man, one of the best to ever do it. 13-year vet, six-time Pro Bowl, first-team All-Pro in 2012, man. Had 21 receptions against the Colts, 2009. Clearly a game the defensive players want to forget. House of Athlete, founder of House of Athlete. Make sure you go support, support. Go buy up all the gear, man. All the workout <laughs> gear he has available. He got a he got a, a nutrients and things like that. Podcast house. Uh, I am athlete as well. Outstanding show with some other outstanding uh, uh, former NFL players as well, man. Doing some big things, man. Keep doing yes, what sir. you're doing. Keep chopping wood. We're gonna keep supporting you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate hey, it next time I come back on the show, we need to talk about those classic battles we had too. Now. Oh, no yes, question. Sir. No question. Yes, sir. <laughs> we can talk about that now. <laughs> no question. We continue. <laughs> Hey, we're going to get you back on, man, in the new year, man. You know what? We probably should all be able to come together at some point in time when we get back to some type of uh, uh, normalcy where we can do this thing in person yes, and really sir. have a really have a big-time show. You feel me? Yes, sir. Right. All right, Yes, B. sir. All right, all right be man. safe now. All right, Marsh, be good. It was an awesome conversation with Brandon Marshall, man, talking about some of the individual battles uh, he had with uh, Pat P. He, he's doing a lot, Pat P. He's, he, oh, yeah. he's very, very involved in his post career. He's been extremely successful. But well, what's some of the things you learned through our chat with Brandon Marshall? That he was able to uh, – I, I was really intrigued on the part that he was able to tap into his uh, his mental stage of his life, yeah. you know, being able to seek seek help, really tap into himself to really find out his purpose in life. Yeah. And I believe, like I, like I asked him, it seems to me that that really helped him find himself. So it was a blessing for him to go to that, uh, that outpatient rehab center to, mm-hmm. to help him and reform him and, and, and help him be the person that he is today wearing all those hats. Yeah. Having a podcast of the show, having him and his wife, having the uh, the apparel company, his nutritionist line, you know, Brandon is a very, very intriguing man. I'm happy that we were able to finally get him on All Things Covered. No doubt. No doubt. I want to thank you for listening to All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and follow and leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll have a bonus episode in your feed on Thursday with Chanel West Coast for my favorite show, Ridiculousness. And then we'll be back again next Tuesday where you can select all things will be covered. Peace. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.